Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 76. Before we start with the questions, I do have a house cleaning item that I want to cover and that is that uh, we just recently updated the scientifictriathlon.com website so you'll find the same information as before but updated hopefully a lot clearer a lot cleaner better presented so uh, check it out if you're interested we're still working on it so uh, it's work in progress but uh, some of the main pages have been updated and uh, well then we have a ton of old pages that have not been updated but uh, the most popular pages on the website which uh, are the home page or the front page and the podcast and coaching and training plans pages they have been updated so far and then we'll, we'll, we'll be working on introducing the other new pages as well over time a big thanks to our sponsors as well before starting with today's questions first we have precision hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com precision hydration make electrolyte products to help you replace the sodium that you lose through sweating and in particular in harder and longer races this can be an absolutely critical aspect of your endurance performance whether it's about competing or completing Everybody loses sodium at uh, an individual rate, which depends on your sweat rate, but also on your sweat sodium concentration, which is highly variable. So Precision Hydration has created a sweat test they can take on their website. Just click the tab Free Hydration Plan to find out what your estimated sweat sodium or sodium losses will be so that you can replace it adequately. You can use the promo code DATTRAFLONSHOW15 to get 15% off your order of electrolytes on precisionhydration.com. And thank you to Roka. Roka just launched a new wetsuit, the new Maverick MX, which is a maximum buoyancy wetsuit, which is designed to increase buoyancy while minimizing drag. And uh, I've talked with uh, the team at Roka about uh, the design and the thinking behind it. And uh, the thing that led to designing this wetsuit is that in the past, the main reason that wetsuits have not been designed for maximum buoyancy is that you would basically lose too much shoulder flexibility when you add more buoyancy to the wetsuit. So you have this sort of trade-off that you need to work around. But Roka's uh, patented arms up construction uh, has uh, provided a solution to shoulder flexibility, which is not materials based. So uh, Roka were free to go on and and uh, try to explore the question of how much buoyancy can now be added while still keeping shoulder flexibility at a really good level. And the result is the most buoyant suit Roka has ever produced, the MX, which uh, loses very, very little shoulder flexibility, even when compared to the flagship model the Maverick X and the other good news is that the MX is very affordable at 450 US dollars or euros and 400 British pounds you can get 20% off that wetsuit or any other Roka products by getting your promo code on roka.com forward slash tts so on to today's questions uh, which is uh, all of these questions are from the same listener so let's get right into it uh, this is from Nick in Leicester, United Kingdom, who writes, Hi, Michael. I'm a new listener to that triathlon show and have found it very interesting and informative. I'm 51 years old and work shifts consisting of four days, seven, day, seven off, four nights, three off, three days, one off, 
three nights, three off, on a constant four-week rotation. They're all 12-hour shifts. I have access to the gym, work gym and spin bikes for about 90 minutes per day shift and longer on most night shifts. I've had two operations on my ankle, so I'm unable to run, but I have just signed up for my first aquabike event in May with a 1.9km swim and a 56-mile ride. Previously, I had done Olympic triathlon and I've been involved in sport all my life. I have read a lot which says that older people should do more high-intensity and heavy strength training, but also take up to two weeks every four as recovery weeks. With my shifts, I never quite know how I'm going to feel, so it is difficult to write a training plan. But I usually train better if I have something to follow rather than just training day-to-day with no plan. Sometimes, let's say between nights, I feel really strong. Then the next month on the same shift, I can feel really washed out, which makes pre-planning difficult. Currently, on my seven days off, I try to do high intensity and longer sessions and then reduce my intensity and duration when I'm on shift. I sometimes feel I'm not doing enough, but I'm wary of becoming too tired due to work and age, although this may be my imagination as I'm believing the stuff I read. I probably average around 7 hours training per week, with 10 to 12 on my week off, which, when I've listened to some of your guests, seems incredibly low. Are there any suggestions as to how I should train for this event? And do I just go on how I feel or write a proper plan and try to stick to it? Also, with this in mind, how do I periodize my training? I'm confused that on one hand I'm told that old people need more recovery, but everything says train nine times a week and get lots of sleep. Am I missing something? I wrote into a triathlon magazine some time ago, but their advice was to not train when tired. This would mean never training once I'm into the three weeks working shift cycle. Not very helpful, really. Thank you. All right, so I've broken this down into three separate questions that we'll tackle. And the first one is whether you should write out your plan and plan ahead or go by feel, given that you have these uh, somewhat unpredictable circumstances. And the answer to that is definitely write out your plan in advance. If you just go by feel, then the risk is and do things on a day-to-day basis without any pre-planning. The risk is that you, or you probably will do, random training and you will get random results. And that's not what you want. So you should have a plan for what to do and uh, you should know the purpose of why you're planning out your training the way you are doing it. Of course, this plan has to be written with the context of your shift work, your recovery rate and other factors related to how much you can tolerate. Uh, This all needs to be taken into account. So how much time you have available and how much energy you have when you are on your shifts, that those should be a couple of the top priority inputs to your training plan. You should not be writing the plan first and then trying to fit it into your life and your schedule. And that goes for anybody, even with regular working hours. But for you, with the shift work that you're having, you're having it's much more critical than for most that this is how you go about things. Uh, write the plan with that uh, work schedule in mind and the entire rest of your life in mind from the start. I do agree that uh, generally what you suggest with doing your intensity and longer sessions 
on your off work period uh, period sounds uh, good and uh, sensible limiting volume and intensity when you're on your shift as well so so that should be at a basic level what you try to put into your training plan in, in my opinion and uh, you basically go into maintenance mode when you're on shift so you can go uh, down significantly in both volume and intensity to something that is sustainable while you're on your shifts uh, even and it should be sustainable even on those shifts when you might be feeling uh, a bit worse than you normally do so you should feel like the training is not running you into the ground at all if anything it should lift you up a bit after those hard shifts uh, have might have driven you into the ground a bit so so that should be it should be very recuperative and uh, your focus there should be on mostly just aerobic endurance and uh, also you could practice technique biomechanics at least if you are not super tired on those days because if you are very very fatigued then even things like technique work might not be very effective because you're just not able to concentrate enough and and you might not have that nervous system readiness to be able to to do good quality technique work but if, i would say the technique and biomechanics those could be options which are very very important parts of training that uh, are easy to neglect and you can do them and they are low intensity but still highly valuable so on those days when you're on the shift that you don't feel as bad those could be things that you you try to incorporate into your training and uh, i would say that since the longest shift period that you have is four days from what i can see uh, i think that you can easily drop all the intensity uh, and you won't lose out on any of the gains you made previously four days really is a very short time so you shouldn't have any pressure to do intensity at all if you are quite tired from the shift work however at the same time if you do feel relatively good then you could plan to do some very light sessions just for some intensity maintenance and even just to wake yourself up a little bit and uh, when i say light versions of intensity i would say something like up to 40 percent of what you've been doing in a regular intense workout in your uh, on your off weeks uh, so uh, for example if you have been doing a workout like 15 times one minute vo2 max intervals uh, on the bike or on the swim during your off week and you want to do some maintenance intensity when you're when you're on your shift then do up to six times one minute instead of 15 times one minute so that's something that could perhaps be included in the plan but again, if you are physically or cognitively fatigued from the long shifts, then probably your best bet is simply an endurance session, maybe with some technique or biomechanical work, which could be things like, well, technique work in swimming uh, might be pretty obvious, but in cycling, you could it would be more biomechanical work. So for focusing on things like cadence and such. So to summarize that part, you should have a plan. But that being said, very rarely, and in your case, it's probably absolutely impossible that you will go through the plan exactly as you planned it. And, and that's okay. Of course, you have to adapt the plan as needed. That goes for anybody that works with a training plan. Uh, generally, you should never or very rarely add more volume or intensity to what you yourself or your coach planned. But in some cases, you might need to reduce what you were doing. So let's say you did plan to do that six times one minute VO2 max workout while on your shift as sort of intensity maintenance. 
but you get to that session and you feel super tired. Then I would say follow the 20 minute rule, do the warm up and uh, at least one, maybe two of the intervals uh, so that you have 20 minutes of, uh, of exercise in your body by the time you make a decision on whether you call it a day for that workout or if you continue. Because sometimes you might feel horrible when you get on the bike, for example, and you feel horrible in the first interval even, but then the second interval you start to feel actually pretty normal or even good. So so the 20-minute rule is a good one to to follow. Uh, if you, by the time you get, you get through that second interval, still feel like shit, then okay, that's that's fine. Just make it an endurance session and go easy for the rest of it. Or perhaps if you feel really, really bad, then even just skip the workout altogether. That might be the smartest decision if you feel really, really run down. Uh, but uh, and that so those things do happen. You need to adjust on a day-to-day basis if uh, if you don't don't feel up to what you have planned. But you should still have that plan in mind, and that will definitely help you train more effectively. The next point I want to make is that uh, your goal should be to plan the training and execute training in such a sustainable way that you need to do changes like the example above as little as possible. And that means plan in the first stage when you're planning your training for maximum long-term consistency and minimal disruptions or interruptions to training. And maybe that means planning just a little less than you think could be possible. Uh, It could be a little less volume or a little less intensity or both. But if that means that you can be super consistent in following your plan, then you're more than likely better off regardless. Uh, because finding that absolute perfect balance right on the edge of what is your sustain maximum sustainable volume and intensity combination that's very very difficult so the smart choice is to simply aim to find a combination of volume and intensity that is a little bit below on the safe side of that edge and uh, that's how you can make sure that you remain as consistent as possible so that's uh, the answer, I guess, to the first question, which is, which is, should you write out your plan and plan ahead or go by feel? Definitely, you should plan it. But of course, you can't just blindly follow the plan. You need to adjust on a day-to-day basis, but try to plan it in a way that you need to make minimal changes on the day-to-day basis by finding something that should be sustainable, even in an unpredictable life. Uh, the second question here that uh, we find in your uh, email is sort of how to incorporate a recovery. And you mentioned that along with age. So let's get into the age question or the age part of the question first. Because I think this is a very common misconception that when you reach a certain age, suddenly your training needs to change somehow because you can no longer handle it because of a number in your passport or date of birth or uh, whatever it is an example would be the very common three weeks on one week off or two weeks on one week off and we have a lot of athletes and coaches as well that uh, choose to do a template sort of two weeks on one week off for athletes over a certain age maybe athletes above 40 or 50 years old but the reality is of course that not every 40 or 50 year old is the same just like not every 20 or 25 year old is the same and i can give you multiple examples of 40 or 50 year olds that can handle much more training on much less recovery than 20 or 25 year olds and it really comes down mostly to the individual's athletic history 
their athletic age and their athletic ability level, as well as lifestyle factors and obligations outside of the sport. So it's true that on the the intra-individual level, for you as an individual, if you started doing sports when you were a kid and you're a lifetime athlete, you've been doing sports consistently your entire life, then it is very likely that you need more recovery now at, let's say, 51 in your case, than you did as a 25-year-old. So the principle itself is sound on that intra-individual level, but on an inter-individual level, it doesn't hold up at all. And from a coaching perspective, a good coach will always coach the individual in front of them and not the age and gender of that individual. A perfect example that uh, I think is uh, worth highlighting is uh, actually one of our scientific triathlon athletes. He's uh, coached by Lockie. He's a cyclist in uh, in his early 60s and an incredible athlete his numbers on the bike his power numbers would make 95 percent or more of the listeners of this podcast very jealous irrespective of age Uh, but anyway this athlete he does not work full-time and he can be really dedicated to training has basically almost unlimited time to train plus they also have more than 20 years experience as a cyclist so he's routinely doing weeks that are 25 to 30 hours of, of volume on the bike, but he can sustain that week in, week out. And the thing is, it would be a waste of his capacity to apply some arbitrary watering down of his training just because of his age. Because what's important is that he has the time, he has the motivation, and he has the athletic ability and experience to be able to do that and benefit from it. That's why uh, I say that you need to coach the individual and not the, the number, not the, not the age in the passport. But on the other hand, let's take a hypothetical athlete in their mid-20s that have never done any consistent sports through their life. They live a typical lifestyle with a demanding job, maybe even a, a young family, and they're in their first one or two years of doing any sort of consistent training. And that athlete would be completely broken after just one of those 25 to 30 hour weeks that uh, that the 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 cyclist in their 60s is doing consistently week in week out so so it's not an age thing it's an individual thing and you should base your recovery needs on your recovery needs not on your age and uh, of course your recovery needs as i mentioned they are depend on your athletic ability your athletic age or experience and those are the things that say a lot about a person's recovery needs age does not so With that part about age done, how then should you incorporate recovery? So I think the first step is for you to find a routine that you can do consistently, as I alluded to in the first part of the answer to your first question. And uh, as we talked about, this will mean doing more volume and intensity when you're off your shift and then less of both when you're on your shift. This, of course, does not mean that every day that you're off shift should be identical or similar or that every day that you're on shift should be identical or similar but uh, if you look at it uh, from the entire rotation cycles perspective which you say is four weeks then finding a structure that you can do the same way each and every time you get to your uh, four days off or seven days off or four days on etc that is what you're looking to to achieve and you really need to figure out how that yourself, but perhaps something like when you're on your four days off work, 
something like one day of intense training, one long training day, but no intensity, and one very easy and short, quite short day, followed by one day of intensity again. Uh, that, that could be an example of a sort of cycle, a microcycle that might work for that four days, four days off shift. And then finding similar microcycles for the, the different durations of your off and on time and uh, being able to string them together in a way that may, that still keeps it sustainable throughout that four week rotation. Uh, so for example, for a four day shift on shift, it might be something like one day short and easy, one day medium long or moderate intensity, and then two days short and easy again. So you get one day of a bit more of a stimulus there, but most of it is just short and easy aerobic endurance or some biomechanical work perhaps, and uh, and that's it. The thing that I want to highlight here is that I think there is a tendency for people to train in a way that is not sustainable week after week or microcycle after microcycle, because for you, it's, it's much more beneficial to think in terms of microcycles, not weeks, because it's, you're on a rotation that is not necessarily weekly. Uh, but uh, what you really need to be doing is first to find whatever structure of your microcycles that you can do sustainably week in, week out. And then once you know what that is and have confirmed it by going through those cycles several times without getting run down, uh, that's when you can, if you want to, start experimenting with adding some overload blocks in certain microcycles and then clear deload microcycles to follow. But uh, just arbitrarily going for two weeks really hard and one week where you just barely trying to survive after those two weeks hard uh, that's something that i don't think is uh, is a great idea i i think it's better to start from the end of the spectrum where you are doing something that is sustainable week in week out and then start experimenting with increasing load and uh, decreasing load if needed and uh, from my own coaching perspective I think that that's something that I only do with my athletes, generally speaking, when we get close to a race and, and really want to uh, sort of push the the super compensation that we're getting and, and really want to be narrowing in on where that edge for the athlete is. That's when we might get into a pattern of doing something like three weeks a bit harder and one week a bit easier or even two weeks harder and one week easier. Uh, but so So I'm not saying don't do it. I think there is a time and place for it. But uh, the important thing to keep in mind is that you should have that basis to fall back on of what is something that you can do week in, week out without getting run down. And of course, even when you find that sort of manageable training load, you'll still have days when you might feel that you're you're really not up for whatever training you had planned. And then you just adjust, you do the 20, follow the 20-minute rule as we discussed, and uh, you maybe do the workout as planned, or maybe you adjust the intensity, or maybe you drop it completely. But then you jump back into the program again the, the following day. So uh, so you will be doing adjustments. It's not, uh, I'm not saying that there is a magic training load that you will be able to do flawlessly throughout a microcycle or a mesocycle but uh, it should get you pretty close where you have quite few of those instances and that's the goal and uh, and i think that that if you do that for the majority of your training year that i think is more effective than having than consistently doing two weeks very hard and you're just pushing 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 possibly too hard 
but you do it because you can see that light at the end of the tunnel coming very very quickly with the recovery week uh, but uh, yeah I, again i think that it's an easy way to so, to possibly push too hard and get into some inconsistent patterns so when you're trying to plan this uh, this training pattern that you should be able to sustain with these microcycles strung together you obviously should be thinking about how many easy days active recovery days or complete rest days do you need in a given microcycle and that will probably be different when you're off work compared to when you're on work you need to think about where to place them and so on so you will have that variation of easy days of training or even maybe complete rest days possibly and you will have those hard days and in your case possibly most of them when you're off your shift where you're trying to push the limit either by volume or by intensity and uh, of course this means that you will still be tired this is not a uh, i'm not saying that you will not be be tired at any point you will be tired but uh, i'm just saying that when you have planned your microcycles appropriately you will be able to maximize how much training load you can you can do over a long consistent duration of time so that's the answer to the second question i guess of how to incorporate recovery and uh, there's no one-size-fits-all answer, but uh, it starts with finding that sort of sustainable microcycle micro structure. That's where I would start. And age has little, if anything, to do with it. It's, it all comes down to you as an individual. Okay, so question number three, the final part, is uh, how to know if you're doing enough. So again, not to beat a dead horse, but I think you should be able to train in a kind of consistent way uh, for extended durations for multiple weeks or months and the times during the year that you feel like you're really at the edge should be very very limited but on the flip side of course as uh, you know since you're asking this question you need to do a certain amount of work to improve and how to verify that you're actually hitting that target is obviously very important and I think that the best way to to verify if you're doing enough is probably by just somewhat regularly do races or tests, either field tests or lab tests. Races work great, especially if we're talking about running or swimming or cycling time trials. For triathlon or aquathlon or other uh, multi-sport events, there are so many variables really that you can't necessarily say based on a sprint triathlon if you improved the same way that you could if you have a 5k park run that you can go to every month that's the exact same course so field tests or lab tests are also great options for swimming a test like the css test a 400 plus 200 time trial or a 1000 meter time trial are both good options for the bike and the run i think that the 20 minute test duration is is a good one you will get a very good idea from that sort of test if you improved or not and uh, it's important to keep in mind that you will not always improve from test to test even if you're doing the right training uh, perhaps but it, it's because of the day-to-day -day variation which naturally exists in your body which can be rather large and i don't think we give enough credit to it so that can skew the results a bit but uh, if you test regularly maybe every four to six weeks and you do that over a period of several months, then over that period of several months, you should see an upward trend if you are improving. And if you are not improving in those tests or races, the benchmarking sessions you have, 
then oh, that's one thing that I should mention. You could be doing benchmarking sessions as well. It doesn't have to be uh, it doesn't have to be tests, formal tests in that way. You could be doing something like ten times one hundred of a one minute forty second turnaround, and uh, just the average pace that you can hold for those ten times one hundred that will give you a good idea of if you're improving or not when you compare that to the previous time you did that that workout. Anyway, if you're not improving, it may be because you're not doing enough. That's one possible explanation. Another one is that you could be doing too much. But let's assume that you are now following all the advice uh, we talked about in the previous questions and you're training at a sustainable level and you're hitting the workout goals in most workouts, then that part is kind of taken care of. We don't need to need to see that as a potential option. Uh, so you're not doing too much. But it could also be that it's not that you're training too much or that you're not doing enough. It just simply could be that the structure of your training isn't very good. You're not working on the right things that you need to work on. So there's no foolproof way of knowing whether you're not training enough or not. Testing certainly is one of the best ways, whether it's through field tests, lab tests, races, or benchmark workouts. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it. It doesn't tell you exactly what is going on, why you did or did not improve. Uh, certain tests or can do more a better job of that than others, obviously. But I do think that if you if you try to self coach and you find that you're plateauing, you're stagnating, then the absolute best thing that you can do is to start working with a with a coach. That's simple as that. As a general guideline, I would say that for athletes that have been involved in sports most of their life, as you say you have, then in the case of a triathlete, if we go back to that, I know that that's not your uh, main sport at the moment, but free swims, bikes, and runs per week is something that I definitely think is worth building to. For a runner, building to five to six runs per week and even adding to that two or three cross-training sessions like swims or bikes would be a good target. And for a cyclist, six rides per week. And this is assuming a normal schedule, not shift work. In your case, Nick, being uh, training for an aquathlon and uh, being on shift work, uh, well, being on shift work make it, makes it difficult to say a weekly target. But let's say you were on a normal schedule. Uh, for the aquathlon, I might say that four bike rides per week and three swims per week should be the target to work towards. But in your particular situation, it will be a bit more variable than that uh, based on uh, based on the shift works that you have and the rotation. Now, in the case of a triathlete, working towards uh, nine sessions per week, that may take months if you're currently training, let's say six times per week. And that's okay. It takes the time it takes. Just to give you some idea of where I think most athletes with a fairly solid athletic history could benefit from being if they want to to improve, then that's certainly something that I think is worth aiming towards. And of course, there are a lot of advanced athletes with ambitious goals that might need to train significantly more than that to, to see improvement. But uh, just for the, the general uh, population of, uh, of listeners of this podcast, I think that that serves as a rough guideline at least, but definitely not any sort of magic number. So I know that this perhaps or these answers weren't the most specific answers I've ever given. I'm sorry about that, but I hope that it at least gave you and other listeners some good ideas for the, the thought processes that you should be going through when tackling the questions that you asked. So thanks again for the question. I hope that it has that my answers have helped in some way. 
And that's it for today. Keep sending in your questions for future Q&A episodes to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and it's Michael with a K. Tune in on Monday when I have an interview with John O'Hall, who is the head coach of Triathlon Canada. And that one is a real doozy of an interview, one of my favorite interviews to date, I have to say. It's uh, another one that I did live, actually, because uh, Jono and uh, his squad of athletes were training here in Portugal on a training camp. So uh, so that was really nice to be able to sit down and, and do a live podcast, just like uh, we did on last Monday's interview with uh, Adil Tweiten. If you're interested in coaching or training plans or customized plans, then check out scientifictriathlon.com. We have, as I said, a newly updated website, so you'll have... A lot of information there if you have any questions and of course you can just contact me otherwise if you have further questions that are not answered big thanks to our sponsors precision hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com get your free hydration plan and get 15 percent off any electrolyte products that you want to order with the promo code that triathlon show one five and thank you to roca that you can find on roca.com forward slash TTS. That's where you can get a 20% discount code for their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and more. Don't forget to check out the new Maverick MX Maximum Buoyancy wetsuit. It's really cool, looks really great, as, uh, as all of Roca's products do. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.